Hello, welcome to Start and Keep Going. I'm Molly Cash. And today I have kind of a follow-up episode. Last episode was about how to connect with your kids. And I've got some additional ideas I want to add to that today. The first one is really simple and maybe it's a no-brainer. Maybe this I'm the last one on earth to think of this, but it's just to connect with one kid at a time. I have five kids and I've gotten in a lot of trouble trying to do something awesome to connect with them all together, all at the same time. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but there are just so many more things that can go wrong. <laughs> so many uh, potential challenges, I guess we could say. I mean, we've got how do we get something that everybody will want to do or be on board with? What about the one kid who just always has a crappy attitude and then the others kind of catch on? Or kids that are fighting with each other and they're not connecting with each other, which makes it hard for the whole group to connect. And it's just way more complex throwing three to six people in a situation and expecting everyone to have this great connecting moment. So the simpler you can make it, the better. And the easiest way to do that is to start with one kid at a time. And you can, of course, grow from that. I'm all about family connection. But when I was struggling to make any connection, I had to start small. And besides that, I'm kind of fascinated with this idea of family culture, family connection, and the relationships that exist within that. And so I've kind of, I mean, I've not like made a serious study of this or anything, but I've just paid attention to families I know, and I see some seem to be so super close and connected, and others don't. And I just, I've always wondered why. And one thing I've learned is that the stronger the individual relationships are, the stronger the overall family connection is. And for a long time, I was trying to make my original family closer all at once. But there are so many of us. And when I finally started to focus on individual relationships instead, I made a lot more headway. It's much easier to connect with people in a group setting when you have individual connections with them. And I think both are important. But since the individual ones will feed into the larger one and make that more natural and easier, that's the best place to start. So don't try to do it all at once. Look for ways to connect with each child one at a time, and that will offer you a lot more flexibility and freedom to be able to do it differently with each child too, because different things will work with different kids for sure. And that brings me to the other idea I wanted to share today which comes from something I heard a long time ago about teaching kids to read. A friend of mine told me that the best kind of book for a child to read is a book that they will read. She said a lot of people get hung up on the kind of books kids are reading. Oh, they shouldn't be reading those graphic novels. They just are, you know, looking at the pictures and kind of guessing at the words or we need to get good quality literature in their hands. And, and I think that's great. But if we're so picky about what they're reading that they don't read, that defeats the whole purpose. The ultimate goal is not for them to read the classics. It's for them to read. And if a Batman 
graphic novel gets them to read, they're reading now. And so that is the appropriate book for them. So I'm just going to translate this to connection and say the best kind of connection with your kid is the one that actually happens. When I was really at a low point and feeling very disconnected from my family, I had a friend offer the advice that I find something that I like to do with each kid. And I love that and I have built a lot of successful connection on that. But I've got to say at first that was overwhelming because I was going from what felt like zero. I know it wasn't really zero because we have a lot of shared history and connection from the past. But at the time it felt like I was starting from scratch. And I was like, I got nothing. I have no idea where to start. I was inspired by that idea too. I was excited and hopeful about the possibilities. I could picture it, but it seemed so far down the road that I wasn't quite sure how to get there. But what I learned is that it doesn't have to be amazing and it doesn't have to be anything big to start out with. You can experiment. You can try something little together, see if it sticks. If not, it's not a waste. You still had a moment of connection. And that is the big lesson here, that moments count. I'm not sure if I mentioned this last week, but I still have some kids that I haven't really found a thing to do with yet. And it's okay because I still look for moments to connect with them. And I give myself credit for those moments. And that could be anything from really listening to my daughter as I'm combing through her hair, or maybe telling her a story while I do that, or helping my son practice his song for the school play. Neither of those things are necessarily going to be a lifetime thing that we do together, but they are moments and they still are deposits into that connection bank between us, even if it's just a few minutes or even shorter. My one son has kind of a grown-up sense of humor, and sometimes he will crack a joke that goes over the other kids' heads, and I love to just kind of make eye contact with him and acknowledge what he just said silently, and he kind of gets this little smirk on his face, like, yeah, I know I'm funny, and he doesn't seem to feel the need to, like, make a big deal about it, but we had that little split-second connection, and those truly add up. I guess I don't know for sure, but I'd like to think that he thinks of me as somebody who gets his humor. So that's something that can be there and that I can build on, even if I haven't made or had the time lately to sit down and do something more involved with him or spend more time getting into his world or inviting him into mine. So these little tiny moments of connection they count. They matter. And what's awesome about believing that is that your brain will go to work finding those. If you tell your brain that tiny moments of connection with your kids are relevant, that they matter, you're going to start noticing way more opportunities for those. And when you notice them and you have the will to act on these opportunities, you're going to start making a ton of little tiny deposits into your connection banks and that will add up. One thing that is kind of frustrating about being me is that I have this tendency to 
always try to be amazing at things. And it gets me in a lot of trouble because it just puts me into this all or nothing mentality that can really hold you back. And I've done this with connecting with my kids, believe it or not. I read a book a long time ago that said, all you need to do is spend 10 minutes each day with each child, or I think it said twice a day, so 20 minutes overall. Um, it called it mind, body, and soul time. And I love the idea that like you are really present in all ways. You're not kind of half there. And this was kind of the formula for like creating a strong bond between you and your child. And then a lot of the problems, behavior problems or just issues you have parenting them will just disappear because they're getting your attention, your full attention regularly, and they know it's coming. They know to expect it. And there was more to it. But basically, that was that was your task. 10 minutes twice a day with each child. And I think when I read this, I only had one kid who was not like a baby. And so I tried it with him. And it was phenomenal. It really was like within a few days, he was like a different kid. And it's not like he was horrible before, but we'd had kind of a lot of issues like power struggles. And it really was amazing what a little bit of my total attention every day did. I was blown away and totally sold. And then I kept having more kids and it got harder, way harder. It doesn't sound like much, 10 minutes, twice a day. And I think, I'm not sure if I ever did it twice a day, maybe just once. But even, even that is so difficult to fit in somehow. And when you multiply it by all of the children, it's just, it's almost impossible. And there have been times when I thought, this is the most important thing. I've got to do this. And I would make charts for myself. I'd put reminders on my phone. I tried to schedule it in and make it happen. And it really, it never was successful. Not for very long, at least. I managed to make it harder than it needed to be by trying to demand perfection from myself. This goes along with one of the things I said last week about trying to do it right was really holding me back. Because when I knew I was not going to pull it off perfectly, then I just didn't want to do it at all. I didn't even want to try because I knew I had already failed. So what could have been some connection ended up being no connection because I was demanding all the connection. I finally learned my lesson. I no longer put my family members' names on a literal checklist to make sure I spend time with them every day. It sounds awful when I say it like that, right? But it really was well-intentioned, just not effective. But I do still want this to be something I consciously work on. So recently, I've been using a concept that I learned from Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School. Um, she once introduced the idea of the urge jar. And this was a weight loss thing. She was helping people lose weight. And the process she used involved deciding ahead of time what you were going to eat and what you were not going to eat. And then when you feel the urge to eat something different that's off plan, you don't fight the urge. And you don't have to remove any temptation. You let that be there. Let the urge be there. 
and feel it and lean into it, but you just don't answer the urge. And I know that to be an effective technique with eating, with also productivity stuff, any kind of habit you're trying to change. Letting yourself feel like doing the easy thing and then doing the right thing instead. It's effective. So Brooke's idea with the urge jar was to have a little jar with some beans or rocks or, you know, something you could fill it up with. And every time you experience an urge and allow yourself to feel it and you don't fight it and you don't make a big fuss, but you also don't answer it, then you get to put one of the rocks in the jar. And then you get to see those rocks accumulate and see the jar filling up and see all this progress you've made. Because something like weight loss, along with changing habits, along with building relationships and connections, it's not something you generally see the results of right away. You kind of have to keep going on faith that it's working, that it's making a difference. Because likely you won't have anything visible for a while. So the urge jar gives you something visual, something you can watch and be excited about, see how much it's filling up, right? And what Brooke said about this is that your lower brain, which is the same part that wants to go crazy and eat all the cake, it loves to see accumulation. This is why we buy too much stuff when we're not really thinking logically. Our lower brain is just trying to keep us safe and fed and alive. And one way it thinks to do that is by gathering stuff, collecting things. It makes us feel safe and comfortable. So it likes to see accumulation. And by giving it the urge jar, that visual representation of the choices we've made, Brooke said, we're kind of tricking our lower brain into being on board with making these higher brain choices, which is pretty cool. Now, the same part of your brain, that lower brain that wants to eat all the cake, is the same one that wants to stay in bed and not do anything hard and not leave your comfort zone and try a new way to connect with your kids. It's just easier not to. And that part of your brain, even though it's great in life or death situations or raw survival, most of the time we don't want it in charge. And so I love the idea of throwing your lower brain a bone that's like, here, look, I'm accumulating. Are you happy? Now let's do the thing we decided to do with our future thinking higher brain. So I've applied this concept to connection. And I mentioned a while back about a planner that I'm designing and I'm hoping to have ready to purchase soon. In the planner on the bottom of each weekly page, I have moments of connection. And I purposely put moments because it doesn't have to be 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be an hour. It can just be a moment, those count. And then I've got little circles that you can color in anytime you have a moment of connection. And I kept it vague intentionally. This could be connection with yourself. If you just take a minute to breathe and ground yourself, it could be connection with your significant other or a child, or a friend, or with God, or with nature, whatever. But they're moments, and they don't have to be perfect. You just do them, and then you get to watch them add up, and it appeals to that lower brain that's going to want to not, because it's easier not to. 
And I'm telling you, it's so motivating. Every time I color in one of these circles, I'm like, ooh, who can I go connect with again? I want another one. I know it sounds so silly, but it's true. It really has helped me seek out more moments of connection because I'm seeing this visual representation of my efforts. It's been a really great way for me to just kind of keep it front of mind and hold myself accountable, sort of. Because there's not like a right number of circles to fill in. There, I mean, there's a number that is printed on the page, but there's no rule that says I need that many per week or per day or anything. So it's like accountability without stress and mostly reminder and motivator. I love it. You should totally give it a try. And you don't have to wait for my planner. Just get a mason jar and put beans in it or write tally marks on a sticky note or whatever. Just find some way to visually add up the moments of connection that you are creating and see if it helps. So to recap, connect with one child at a time. The group connection will be so much easier when the individual ones are strong. And then start small. Yes, it's awesome to look for something larger or more regular or more dedicated that you can do with each child. But in the meantime, look for moments. They totally count and they add up and they're probably the most important deposits to be making in the connection bank. And remember, the best kind of connection is the one that actually happens. You are doing a great job, better than you think. Please give yourself credit for effort. I really believe effort counts. Take care. I'll see you next time.